This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you tonight. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com, and you can see all the different stuff I'm up to. But importantly, you'll have a chance to sign up for the daily email. You get what you need to know, the Wink, the Daily Wink, which is the same name as this segment, What You Need to Know. And you'll get that in your inbox at 5 a.m. Pacific Time, 8 a.m. East Coast Time. And in between, you can do the math. And so, go ahead, ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, great to be with you. We've got some wonderful guests. I've got all the call, calling in from Europe, uh, Dr. Thomas Williams, who is the... Um, is the uh, station uh, bureau, the um, uh, bureau chief in Rome for Breitbart, and he's an expert on the Catholic Church. And so we're going to talk to him, and then we'll talk with our friend Selena Zito. I haven't talked to her in ages, and she's got a story about Ghostbusters. It was Ghostbusters Day the other day, which I didn't realize, and uh, she'll fill us in on that and a lot more. All right, what you need to know, what you need to know today, I got to tell you, here it is. I'm going to capture it in one short phrase, okay? It's the Pledge of Allegiance versus CNN. The Pledge of Allegiance versus CNN. What you need to know is we used to have in this country a set of 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 exercises, verbal exercises, community exercises that bound us together and gave us form for what we we're doing. For example, we went to church every Sunday, or some people went to synagogue, but we generally were religiously observant one day a week at least in America for, for decades and decades from its founding. We said the Pledge of Allegiance every day at school. We saluted the flag. We uh, did the national anthem, although that wasn't as common. It feels like that was a sporting event thing. We gathered for parades for the 4th of July. We celebrated Independence Day. We read aloud from the from the founding documents various forms those were the things we did and they were in fact a part of binding us together a part of doing things whether it was speaking words out loud the pledge or gathering for holidays we were doing things that bound us together what you need to know is that works it's powerful it matters it means something i once had a a, a preacher say to me that your kids don't care what you say they don't care what you say. They don't care how you say it. They care what you do. And they don't even care if you do it well as a preacher. And he said one example that they say the studies all show is if you go to church every Sunday with your family, their whole life they will relate to going to church in a way different than if you don't. You know, when they may later choose to or not to, but anyway, that may sound obvious. The point is we as creatures are creatures of the influence of what's around us, especially what we do over and over again. And what you need to know is, in this country, we have had wonderful tools, wonderful uh, moments, wonderful activities that bind us together. And the question right now is, is it the pledge and all those tools and, and moments that bind us together that are forming our country, that are part of who we are, or is it CNN? And if it's CNN, then it's sound bites. And I, by the way, I'm just using CNN as shorthand. I'm saying CNN and MSNBC and Twitter and all these modern media moments that are basically designed to make you crazy. They're designed to give you dopamine hits and they're doing it on purpose to addict you to it. But then in terms of the fake news and the message they're sending, they mean to make you crazy. 
And I showed you this, where for 10 days they showed rioting every night, and then when that seemed to die down, they went right into, oh my gosh, the uh, Wuhan virus is exploding, and then they had the Fed chief talk about the economy going down. They're just trying to make us crazy. Here's my point. If we are losing the strength of the pledge and of the other unifying, you know, kind of moments of who we are and the unifying activities of who we are in favor of CNN and in some ex- to some extent CNN and participation in destruction. Is that the right phrase? I don't know. But probably the, the idea of destroying or sanitizing history instead of reconciling history. Is, that seems to me to be destructive more than it is anything that's edifying. But that's the battle that's going on right now. That's the te- What you need to know is we're in a battle, and it's not, there's a battle of good and evil, that's true. There's a battle against bad guys, that's true. But I'm talking about the battle of how we are formed and what we do together. And it is really tough to plow over the top of CNN slash Twitter, slash MSNBC, slash Fox News, all of the modern uh, delivery messengers are designed to make us crazy. That's their business model. They try to make you nuts. So what do you do? Well, I told you, you stop watching those th- th- those places, find the more comfortable places. And the numbers show that, by the way, people are, are, are stopping watching, uh, the, watching all the different uh, television and all because they just can't stand it. We have a friend of mine, my wife and I, a good friend of ours, they're very liberal people, very prof- two professionals, married couple. They said they took the NPR a- a- app off their phone. They used to listen to it on the ride to work every day on their phone. You know, it would, it would Bluetooth to their car. And they took it off because they didn't, they didn't, they were tired of all the negative news and they're much happier. And these are kind of liberals. They, they like, you would think they'd like some. They just said it was too much energy, too much energy directed the wrong way. Now, I want to finish this by telling you what you need to know here. This is important. While it is true that all this news, the fake news and all this stuff is meant to make you crazy and it's effective, the, the problem is that we're hooked on it, that it's become our becoming for too many people. It's becoming the default mechanism for the default feeling, the default sensibility about who we are, that we're divided against each other, all these kinds of things. It's precisely the opposite. When I was a kid growing up, the message, the message we should be reinforcing is we're in this together. We're going to reconcile ourselves to do better every time. But we're in this together. And it's the greatest place on earth with the most opportunity, with the most positive things happening, with the most creativity and excitement and, and possibilities. But we're not going to... We're, we're, that's what we, that was the belief, that was the animating spirit of the times. And we had those habits those habits of the pledge and the 4th of July and all these things. And now we have a habit of, I don't know, CNN and Twitter. And it's destructive. It's destructive. And we've got to beat that back. We've got to beat that back. We've got to recognize it and do something about it. I told you, I think, I believe that the Pledge of Allegiance is going to come back with a, with a, with, with a not a vengeance is the wrong word, but come back strongly where people are going to relate to that in a way that they haven't before. I'm going to make it happen, and I hope it happens, because we need the, we need the binding together exercises, not just the, the phrases, not just the public statements, not just the out loud statements, although each of them is important, but also the things we do together. 
That's what we got to work on. All right. That's what you need to know today. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for my email, ProAmericaReport.com. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Be right back. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Don't forget, you go to ProAmericaReport.com. Get signed up for uh, all of uh, our daily emails that go out every morning at 5 a.m. Pacific time. And uh, our next guest is a man who I read him all the time. I had him on the show one other time. Uh, he is His name is Thomas D. Williams. He is a fascinating writer. He's a, an author as well as a commentator. And he writes a lot for Breitbart. If you go to Breitbart.com, you'll see him there. Uh, hey, well, sir, first of all, welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Ed, it's terrific to be back on your show. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you on. And let me touch on two things. I know that you are a, a native of Michigan, and so I will be remiss if I don't mention that because, uh, of course, the Breitbart, uh, great Breitbart uh, editor-at-large, Rebecca Mansour, is from Michigan and wants to talk about it all the time, as well as uh, my friend, Dr. Brett Decker, who's also uh, from there, and he's uh, he and I have written a book together. So there's my plug for all Michigan. Everybody, those guys, back off. But uh, you're over in Rome. So tell me, how is how is Italy? Uh, I think you're in Rome. I know you're in Italy and you're based in Rome. But how is the Ital- how is how how is Italy and the Italians? How are they faring in this uh, coronavirus time? Well, it's kind of interesting because the Italians have shown themselves to be very uh, acquiescent, if you will, in in the government lockdowns and everything they've been asked to do. Um, and they right now, there, there was a recent poll just this past week showing that the Italians, for the first time, anger is predominating among the emotions that they are expressing and, and feeling. Uh, before it was huh. confusion and fear and these different things. And now it's anger at, at the government that they have not opened up sooner. And, and actually, Italy is opening up in, in a way faster than most. Uh, on June 3rd already, people could travel uh, between regions. Uh, Italy was opening up its external borders with other European nations, even though the others were not letting Italians in. From the Italian side, they were open. So, But it's, it's been a mixed bag. This is a, a confusing time for everyone. Uh, but it's been interesting to watch the way the Italians react to the different circumstances and, and, and what prevails. Yeah, it's uh, by the way, just because I know you, I'm sure you did, uh, but I, I recently read uh, Manzoni's, uh, the Italians consider it one of their great texts, Manzoni's uh, The Betrothed, the book on that, on one of the periods around the plague set around northern Italy, by the way, in Milan and up by Bergamo, where this thing hit so hard. And it is fascinating to read that and, and know the history. But uh, let me let me get to this. So again, we're talking with uh, Dr. Thomas D. Williams, who is the Breitbart Rome Bureau Chief. In fact, I'll put up on my social media a link that shows all of his uh, writings, it kind of flows down and is, I've, I've almost jumped to more uh, different different things than when I first wanted to get you on the show, because I wanted to ask you first about this this uh, statement from the Archbishop of Washington, D.C., where he was he wrote, I find it baffling and reprehensible that any Catholic facility then he goes on basically to criticize the shrine of John Paul II. Uh, that's what that's where President Trump visited to sign an executive order on religious liberty. I, I want to ask you, because you've observed the church, you know, a lot of these people, the players here. What's that about? I, I was I was stunned that Gregory Bishop Archbishop Gregory weighed in like that. Well, I, I, he definitely overstepped. And the thing is, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the church leaders are also 
political. I, they, they definitely have their political affiliations. They have their political leanings. And in the case of Archbishop Gregory, his are very well known to be to the left. He's, he's a Democrat. And I think that uh, it came out in this in this circumstance a bit of you know, double standard because he had had Nancy Pelosi preaching in his church uh, at the at the funeral of Cokie Roberts from the pulpit, uh, and she is known to be to flout Catholic teaching, especially on the abortion abortion question, but other questions as well. Whereas Donald Trump, that obviously the Archbishop does not care for him or his politics, he was going to sign a religious uh, liberty, a very important actually executive order, and Donald Trump, whatever you think of him. Uh, has been a great admirer of John Paul II. When he was in Warsaw, he spoke glowingly about uh, the legacy of John Paul II. And it's sincere. It's a real admiration for the man. And to say that that was just a photo op is an unfair caricature of what was actually going on there. So unfortunately, we saw a lot of partisanship coming out, and we didn't see the pastoral side of a Catholic leader who, who should be trying to embrace uh, the wider community and, and allow for these differences. So it was a very disappointing moment. I think I'm a Catholic, and that was you know tough for me to see. Yeah, we're talking with uh, Dr. Thomas Williams, uh, who is the uh, Breitbart Rome Bureau Chief. And I, I want to segue uh, broadly, and you know, you and I have talked about this because one of you, you wrote about one of the things I've been up to. I, I started a coalition of folks that are basically saying, hey, for the first time in my life, and I'm 50 years old, and, and but you know, we have a sort of publicly uh, stated anti-Catholic sentiment by leaders, you know, whether it's uh, Feinstein, Senator Feinstein or, or others. But I, I want to pull back and, and ask your observation because, you, you know, you're, you got a Ph.D. and you've studied uh, history and and theology especially, Um, it feels like there's a lack of credible leaders uh, 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 in religion, not only Catholic, but in religion in America. In other words, you didn't have to always like Cardinal O'Connor or Father Hesburgh, but you, or or even Billy Graham, but you recognize them as having a certain moral standing, and and because of that, they they had confidence, and they didn't get they didn't do things that felt uh, like what Gregory. I described something. I said Gregory, what he did, it, it seemed like adolescent. It seemed immature the way he responded. Is that a fair observation? Is it just because we? got more attention due to the media and things that that feels like the leaders aren't as serious what's your sense in the i know you know the catholic church better but you can observe uh, broadly too well i mean i i think you're in broad strokes i think you're exactly right ed i think that there is a real lack a real dearth of leadership of spiritual leadership religious leadership uh you do have billy graham's son franklin graham that i consider to be a beacon of light he he's often he he's a straight shooter he calls it as he sees it from a true faith perspective and i i find him to be extremely helpful and, and a true leader uh from the catholic church perspective i think that there are some true leaders that are a little bit in the shadows right now this is not an easy pontificate under pope francis for them to come out in the light and to be strong and say all the things that they would want to say and should say, because I think, quite frankly, they fear that he will not necessarily have their backs. He has not been as close to the American uh, prelates as one would hope. He has not uh, supported them in issues that they uh, hold up as paramount, uh, some that we've been fighting on for many, many years. So I think that they, in that 
kind of lack of support from Rome, they have been a little more hesitant to come out strongly on issues. Because we had in the past recently retired Archbishop of Philadelphia, Charles Chaput, was a great leader in that regard. But he had the rug pulled out from under him several times by Pope Francis, who would simply not have his back. So uh, I think that we may see more of that in the future. I think from Archbishop Gomez out in Los Angeles and other places, we've got uh, out out in, in Denver, we've got a fine bishop in uh, in Phoenix. There's a fine. There are, there are plenty. I just think that right now is not their moment to shine. Yeah. Um, we're, again, we're talking uh, with uh, Dr. Thomas Williams, who is uh, the Breitbart Rome Bureau chief and a writer. And uh, um, uh, let me ask you about the Catholic question, because, again, you grew up in Michigan, you know, really uh, a, a, a sense uh, as, a, as an American Catholic. What's the shift? I was on the phone a little while ago with um, Joe Flynn, General Mike Flynn's brother, and, and they talked about how their mother was a devout pro-life Catholic. I mean, devout, you know, Catholic, and she was pro-life and she was a Democrat. And, you know, it's not just Governor Bob Casey, the late governor of Pennsylvania, who was denied a chance to speak at the convention, uh, the Democrat convention, because he was happened to be pro-life. Now we've got... You know, uh, Dan Lipinski, the only pro-life member of Congress on the Democrat side who's primaried by a Pelosi-backed candidate. We've got, uh, you know, Amy Comey Barrett being asked about the dogma that informs her. What's the what's your sense of the American Catholic uh, response to this? I mean, one part of the problem is a lot of American Catholics don't go to church enough. It changes their dynamic. But what do you think about what's happening? Well, I think the Democrats right now feel very emboldened to attack people on reasons of faith and know that they're not going to get an awful lot of pushback. And it's it's tragic to see, but it's true. And you have people even like Dick Durbin, who is ostensibly a, a nominal Catholic, but he is one of the worst in terms of attacking people for their Catholic beliefs because he is a left-wing Catholic, so he basically doesn't really believe what the Catholic Church believes, but his own version of it. So I, I, unfortunately, we've seen this over and over again, especially with the confirmation process of, of different uh, appointees to these federal judgeships, and it's been blatant. It's been overt, and, and you, you are starting to get some pushback, and it was great what you wrote the other day at showing how much pushback there have been from, from the most unlikely quarters, uh, even the Anti-Defamation yeah. League and other places that you wouldn't necessarily yeah. expect, expect them to be coming out in favor of the Catholic. But it, it's so overt that people are really appalled, and they say if they're going to do that with the Catholics, they could do that with us next. Um, and again, unfortunately, there's been a lack also of credibility among the Catholic leaders, in large part because of the Catholic sex abuse, uh, the, the clerical sex abuse crisis, which has undermined the authority. And so a lot of uh, the Catholic bishops, I think, who would like to are sometimes afraid to speak more strongly um, than they are speaking. And uh, it's, it's really kind of a, a, a perfect storm of things that undermine what Catholic leaders could be doing right now. And uh you know, hopefully we'll get beyond that and we'll see more strength coming out of some of these good leaders. But for the moment, it's kind of a free-for-all. And I think the Democrats are taking advantage of that. They've, they've adopted very, very strongly anti-Catholic principles. As you say, the pro-life position is no longer welcome within that party. That that what they used to describe as a big tent has shrunk to a tiny little pup tent, and there is no room for that. So, you know, basically, even people who naturally would sympathize with certain uh, the Democratic tendencies are now flipping over to either independents or Republicans saying, I no longer have a home in this party. It's, and let me one more question. Thank you. We're talking for, with Dr. Thomas Williams, uh, Breitbart's Rome bureau chief. How you, what you described sounded right to me about America, and I'm not surprised you have that sense. But also now you're in Rome. What's happened in Europe? 
is are, are they behind us? Meaning their their churches have been empty for twenty five years instead of like in America ten. I don't know. Maybe that's off. But uh, or and do they get away with this kind of attack on on uh, Catholics or Christians or religious in Europe? Or is it is Europe sort of gone already in terms of that? I mean, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? I do. Um, I think it's less overt here in a way because. I, I feel like a lot of uh, the, the left and the, the political left feel like they have domesticated the church. They have the church and church leaders basically where they want them. They're not getting an awful lot of pushback on some of these key moral questions. You don't have a Pope John Paul right now. You don't have some of these stellar bishops and cardinals that we've had in the past that would push back. And so basically you have, especially the voices that are most prominent, are leftward-leaning, environmentally tendentious uh, you know, who teach the social gospel, but do not go into questions about marriage or abortion or sacramental life or things that a lot of traditional Catholics consider extremely important. Uh, it's something that they shy away from, and they prefer to talk about issues where they know that they're going to get a hearing and support from uh, the left in politics. And so there's there's kind of an under-the-table, if you will, sort of understanding that we're going to work along together and we won't oppose you, you don't oppose us. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's uh, an interesting, it's fascinating time. I, you know, I, by the way, I, I remember, and I'll share offline, we have a, there is a connection when I say this, Malcolm Muggridge, you may remember his grandson, I think, but Malcolm Muggridge wrote a book called um, The End of Christendom. And then the second part of the book, a little booklet, is uh, but not the end of Christianity. And and he describes, you know, this Mugridge, of course, is writing in like 1980, and he's you know he's British, and so he's he's seen in his long life, he's probably in his late 70s or 70 at the time, and he's thinking, well, Britain has kind of lost the empire and all. But it, it does feel like a, a strange moment in terms of the history of how uh, f- how uh, people came together as nations, America being one example, under this Judeo-Christian ethos. And a lot of that seems like it's faded. But all right, I got to run, unfortunately. Uh, Dr. Thomas Williams, thanks very much. You can look his stuff up at Breitbart.com. Uh, He's the Breitbart Rome Bureau Chief. Thank you for the time, sir. Ed, it was a pleasure. Thanks again for having me. Okay, we'll talk again very soon. We'll keep you on the uh, on the on the speed dial. So uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com to get signed up and also to find this interview, other interviews like this as standalone segments you can listen again. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin, ProAmerica Report. Be back. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And don't go to, don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for my daily email. You get it at 5 a.m. I know Selena's going to be happy because she gets it, and she gets junk from everybody. But it's not junk. Mine's not junk, so you should get it. But you also need to go to SelenaZito.com, SelenaZito.com, and you can sign up there. And she doesn't bother you every day, although it's almost every day because she writes so much. <clears throat> you can see her writings at she her writings at the Washington Examiner, Wall Street Journal, um, uh, New York Post, all over the place. So first of all, it's been a while, Selena. It's been a few weeks, maybe a month or more. So welcome back. How are you? I know. I think this is the longest we've been separated from each other. I'm not quite sure what to do. It's terrible. It's been a terrible, terrible loss. But anyway, but hey, I'm thinking about you because are you going to gear up and go like in your vehicle and go? uh, Are you going to go Milwaukee for the thing and the Democrat convention and then go to Charlotte and then go to Jacksonville? Are you I mean, are you getting ready to get in the car again and be all over the place? 
Uh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I've never stopped going everywhere. <laughs> I've still been oh, out there you. driving around on the back roads um, throughout the virus. Uh, and and in these sort of early days of the country opening back up. But um, mm-hmm. I, I'm still on the back roads up in Tennessee, Virginia, Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, throughout Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland, I can't, West Virginia, <laughs> Kentucky. So, so there, there sort of hasn't been a, a stop with that. I, I interviewed the president um, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Interesting fact. From yes. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, <laughs> this is probably not that interesting, but I think it's interesting. Uh-huh. Um, to the Tennessee uh, state borderline is closer to Pittsburgh than Allentown, Pennsylvania. I think that's crazy. I think that is, too. I wouldn't have thought that, but I'm not very good on maps. I'm not very good on that kind of thing to spatial, whatever that is, spatial recognizing. Hey, Selena, what was your impression? You've met the president before, but in your that recent interview with him, I want to ask you this question because the media is loving this right now. But I do think, is there any job harder than being president? Like nobody ever becomes president. And then when you look at them four or eight years later, they don't look like they've just been worked so hard, just so much pressure. How did he seem physically, energy wise and everything, uh, you know, when you were? with him well to be honest i uh, i didn't ask him but i thought about asking him if he had work done because he looked really great and it really stunned me yeah i mean it really sort of stunned me and i, I mentioned this to my photographer as well and he's uh, and he thought the exact same thing because traditionally presidents age much quicker than oh, regular yeah. human beings uh, George yeah. Bush, Barack Obama. I mean, they they ate so much quick, you know, quicker than I think they probably would have had they not been in office. But I don't know if it was because it was the first time he had been out, uh, or maybe he's been doing some workout routine. But he was <laughs> really, really good and. Uh, huh. I, I, I was glad I had a mask on because I didn't want to think I was staring at him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it struck it struck me that he looked great. I I also just interviewed Vice President Pence as well um, on on Friday here in Pittsburgh. Um, Trump's mood was um, he was happy. He was ha- I think he was happy to be out. I think he was happy yeah. to be. Um, I think he. He feeds off of the energy of travel. I have often said that presidents are like lions. Uh, and lions, when they're in a cage, they look sad and defeated and not right. the majestic creatures that they are. And I liken that to being in the White House. But when they're out right. in the Serengeti, meaning when they're out with the people, they sort of beam and, and, and have, and this is not just Trump, this is every president. You know, they stand taller, their voice is deeper, they're, they're, um, and, and there's more energy from them because I think they, one of the reasons you wanted to be elected president was to be in and among people and, and, um, understand them. And so I saw that from Trump as, as well. 
Uh, we're talking with Selena Zito. And again, go to selenazito.com, selenazito.com, and you can sign up for her email. She'll email you whenever she's, whenever one of her articles uh, is uh, published. Um, the mo- more recent one, the recent one I want to ask you, posted today, was called Ghostbusters Drive-Ins and Marching Forward Together. And, and you're in Butler, Pennsylvania, which I don't know where that is. So you have to tell me in a second. But I, I was interested because... A long time ago now, it feels like years, but it's maybe two and a half, three months. When this first started, someone said, no matter what, the place you want to be is in drive-in theaters because you don't have to go into a big theater anymore. So walk us through this piece and who you found and, and uh, this this uh, story. It's a good one. Yeah, and early on in the um, in, during the pandemic, I also uh, went to a church service at a drive-in. Um, oh really? So this, huh. yeah, I did. I reported from it was pretty. It was pretty inspiring, and that's something that's huh. pretty common around here. But so what happened was last the last Monday, um, June eighth was uh, called Ghostbusters Day. That's the day that the that, that Ghostbusters really uh, one of the first behind Jaws summer blockbusters, and right. Um, you know, across the country, they typically show the original Ghostbusters in, in theaters, but because of the virus, they were doing it in drive-ins. And people, you know, I mean, one of the things we've been sort of missing during not just the virus, but also the aftermath of George uh, Floyd uh, dying in police custody and the riots that have followed afterwards, one of the things that we've sort of been missing is is the sense of community and being part of something bigger than ourselves. The Ghostbusters, while it sounds kind of silly that this was a big deal, but it was a big deal. The, um, the, uh, the, this was going to show in the 300 drive-ins that are located across the country. And, you know, they were gearing up. They, um, the, the drive-in, the Starlight drive-in that I went to in Butler, PA, which is a northern uh, suburb of Pittsburgh, um, they had like, Ghostbuster reenactors coming and the Ecto Mobile, the 1959 Cadillac um, that was so wildly popular um, um, when the movie came out was going to be there. And, you know, this is a great place to, to sort of take a family of four. You know, it's eight bucks a car and the food is amazing, um, and, and, and still be, um, socially distant. And, and it was canceled, um, because across the country it was canceled by the studio and by the Drivers Association. Because they didn't think it was the right really? time to be celebrating anything. And I kind of thought that was sad because even in our worst, darkest moments in this country, whether it was when Kennedy was shot, um, there's still yeah. NFL games the next the next day. Steelers played, um, and, and after uh-huh. 9/11, uh, George W. Bush threw out the first pitch. We're taking. We right. can't take. You can simultaneously be mourning uh, your loss of a lifestyle during the coronavirus, and also support pro protesters during the the, the um um the black lives matter movement and still be able to go to a drive-in with your family and have yeah. a good time like they don't contradict each other and but our culture and society is demanding us to be mournful and sad and that's not a healthy thing 
Well, you know, I actually, I, I just said this in, in Northern Virginia. Is, I'm going to give my idea out because I know my, our listeners and we originate on the San Diego station of uh, Salem Radio Network. We have lots of Navy. Navy was supposed to play Notre Dame and Dublin, uh, Ireland this year in their, in their game, football game, and they canceled it and they moved it back to Annapolis. So the first time ever they're going to play at Annapolis with Notre Dame. And, and I don't know yet, but I said, I don't know yet if it's going to be under the lights or what time of day, but I said, there ought to be like pop-up tailgates all across the country to, for Navy fans and Notre Dame fans to, on that Saturday, it's a Saturday of, uh, of uh, Labor Day weekend, and just have like, and now I didn't know, I, did, I thought this story, I'll be honest, when I read this story, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, I read the first two or three paragraphs, and I thought it was about having this great thing. I didn't know it was canceled, and so I'm, so, I'm now bummed out that it was canceled. All right, but Selena Zito, I want to ask you one more question, because I'm running out of time. I talk too much, and, and, but here's my question. 1984, Ghostbusters. 1982, the book Blue Highways came out by William Least Heat Moon, <laughs> who's Missouri guy. Have you read that book? Oh yeah, several times. I figured. Yeah, a do- a, probably a dozen times. You you need to write a, a version of that after this election cycle of of not all the stories, but all these linking all these things together because people you beca- you you you've got a kind of William Least Heat Moon. I'm being serious, kind of character. People relate to you as having been out here on these things, and I, maybe just put all these essays together, and you could use that uh, because it's, it was a great book, wasn't it? A great book. Oh, it was an absolutely great book, and nothing is more heartwarming um, than being on the back roads of this country. You see, um, you see so much of who we are, and um, I think it's and, and and who we aspire to be, and um, it's 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 a great reflection of American exceptionalism. Yeah. Well, you should do that. I think you should do one of those. Uh, you should do something like that. But all right. I got to run selenazito.com. Go and sign up her emails and she will blast out uh, when she's writing. And she's always on top of stuff. And keep in touch and stay close, Selena. That sounds great. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay, we'll talk again soon. We'll take a quick break. And don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com to get updates and find all these interviews as standalone segments. ProAmericaReport.com. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Be back in a minute. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. The liberal takeover of American culture is undeniable. Everyone knows television, movies, music, and just about every other form of mass media is dominated by a leftist outlook. The slippery leftward slope of Hollywood is just as undeniable. What was considered unthinkable a generation ago is now embraced with open arms. What was tolerated by our parents is considered an inalienable right now. As our media goes, so goes the rest of our society, and I fear our republic with it. Nothing I just said is shocking to anyone. However, what shocks me is that no one seems to care. We just accept the Hollywood lies as inevitable and let them go unanswered. For me, Hulu's new series claiming to document the life of my mentor Phyllis Schlafly was a breaking point. They spent $50 million saying that their series was supposed to be entertainment that's, quote, based on true events, end quote. One reviewer even said that their fictionalized version was, quote, more illuminating than a documentary, end quote. Of course they don't care about history. They don't care about truth. The only two things they care about are money and power. 
The money comes when they get lots of people to watch it, and the power comes when they destroy the legacy of a conservative titan like Phyllis Schlafly. Remember, this is bigger than you and me. Hollywood is targeting our children to turn them against us, against America, and yes, against God. The average age of a Hulu viewer is 32 years old. That means there are a lot of millennials and even children of millennials hearing the conservative arguments of Phyllis Schlafly for the first time ever, but through the lens of Hollywood. If that doesn't scare you, I don't know what will. We can't just shrug off this problem and hope it'll go away. If the last few decades of cultural decline have taught us anything, it's that the problem is only going to get worse if we sit idly by. We need to carefully screen what media we allow into the lives of our children. And we need to fight back and give children a conservative perspective. We need to do that by supporting upstart conservative media. It's time all Americans get back into the fight to reclaim our culture. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The hypocrisy and lies of the liberal media are alarming and even incite public unrest. But the fake news and the commentators who slant coverage are finally being exposed. At phyllisschlafly.com, we promise to provide timely alerts and take effective action on your behalf. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Don't forget, please, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and particularly do me a favor and sign up for the daily email. I promise you I never, ever, ever uh, lend, rent, sell, give away your email address if you sign up there. I just use it to send you a daily email at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time with our daily What You Need to Know. So please go there and sign up. Uh, okay, now let me uh, fill you in here on uh, this I want to, um, this is a story uh, that I was sent to me by General Mike Flynn, okay? So consider the source because um, he sent it to me and that I read whatever he sends me. I got to be honest with you. Uh, there are some things that I, you know, will, well, I'll get to that later. When General Flynn sends me something, I go about reading it and I take, uh, take it seriously. So here's the piece. It's called, the title is The Military Intelligence Complex and it's by Victor Davis Hanson. Now, Anything by Victor Davis Hanson, as you know, is always pretty darn good. But this one is about um, it's in it's in the National Review and it's about the generals and spy chiefs. That's just opening line who are entering the political arena to slam the president. And here's the thing that I and it, like General Flynn sent this to me with no comment. He didn't we didn't discuss it. He just sent it to me on email or actually on uh, on uh, uh, on Twitter. But but here's the um Here's the point that we have these people clapper. We have, you know, the, the, the ones that are famous is, uh, is, is clapper and Brennan who were spy chiefs and all, and they've been out there being paid by CNN and paid by NBC to be out there. But then we have, you know, chiefs of staff, uh, rear admiral, uh, retired rear admiral, uh, Mike Mullen, uh, retired army general, Martin Dempsey, uh, Richard Myers, Colin Powell, who have all gone on the record to criticize this president, not, notwithstanding Mattis and others. Here's the thing about this. Very important. Uh, we have a military, and this was very intentional. The founders knew, and it's different than the rest of the world, that we have, we have accountability to the, to the, in the military uh, to the elected official, the president. 
Because if you don't have that, the military becomes stronger than anybody else because they have the military. And so Victor Davis Hanson walks through this and basically says, you know, who do these people think they are? They weren't elected to anything. And that, you know, they use the power of what they're doing about the power of their positions and what their conduct was to try to uh, change the election. That's what happened. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, I listed some of those other ones. Colin Powell had nothing to do with the Russia hoax. Uh, and, but, uh, but Brennan and, and Clapper did. And the fact is that you, you would think that these other men that were, they're all men, by the way, who are generals and in senior positions would be saying, boy, that was so wrong. What happened? That was a coup. That was an attempted coup. It failed. That's what they ought to be speaking out about. Colin Powell ought to be saying, well, I have some policy differences with with uh, President Trump. I reject the fact that there are uh, spy chiefs who try to overtake this uh, this uh, election. That's what he ought to be saying, because it's much more important for the stability of America for uh us to have uh, to get control of the military and the and the spy agencies if they're going rogue that's much more important but the question is the question is that uh that that you have to wonder at this point is do you think that these men they're all men by the way are just arrogant are they misguided is it you know what is it about them that they are um that they are uh uh not aware of that they're they're you know kind of paying attention to and the fact is, I think it's a form of arrogance. I think it's a form of arrogance. I think it's a form of uh, they know better, but man, it's outside of the role that they should have. It's really disturbing. So I'll put the piece up on social media. You need to check it out. General Flynn, uh, uh, you know, as I said, what he sends me, I read because uh, I know he knows what he's talking about, <laughs> obviously. So, all right, I'm going to run. Have a, thank you for a great show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for my email blast there. Find all the interviews and segments of the show. There are standalone segments, links you can click on. Thank you, as always, for our, our thank you, as always, to our technical director, Noah, who keeps us on track. We had some technical difficulties today he did a great job as always and we'll be back tomorrow night it's ed martin here in the pro america report be back then